Welcome to the Neurodiverse Love Podcast. I'm Mona, and I was married for 30 years in that relationship for 32, and we didn't find out we were a neurodiverse couple until our 29th year of marriage. And I've been divorced over four years now. We have an amazing 25-year-old daughter, and she's doing fantastic. And today I am joined by another wonderful AANE certified therapist who's in the UK, and her name is Margie Wakefield. Margie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Mona. It's a privilege to be here. Well, I'm so glad you're here. I know we're going to have a great conversation. So I'd love to start by having you share with the listeners, what brought you to going for the AANE certification? And maybe you could share a little bit about the work you do with Hmm. neurodiverse couples and individuals. Hmm. Certainly. So I have been intrigued by um, the difficulties in relationships for many, many years. And uh, about 20 years ago, decided that I was going to specialize in relationship work. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, have found it very interesting, this, this journey. What brought me to AANE for training was that I had some couples, I had a lot of success with couples and they would come through and they'd work for a while, they'd get what they needed and they um, would uh, go off and I wouldn't see them again, mostly. Mm -hmm. But then I found I had a percentage of couples who just seemed to come back and come back and come back. When they were working with me, they seemed to do really well. But then they would be back on my doorstep six months or a year later. And what I noticed was they were very, very often in the same position and the same place as they had been the the previous time and the previous time before that. (laughs) Right. Um, So I started regarding these couples as my failures. And I was trying to work out what am I doing wrong? What is going on here? Why aren't I, why, why isn't there movement in this relationship? Um, Because the skills I was using were the same on every couple. And I just presumed that um, (laughs) most couples had needed a lot of the similar things. Right. Anyway, I then decided I need to find out what it is, what else, what am I missing? What, mm-hmm. I, what, What's going on here? So I did an awful lot of reading and research and such like and started realizing that neurodiversity is much bigger than I originally thought. Mm. And I started thinking, mm, I need to find out more about this. And that's where my search led me to AANE and Grace Myhill. And so I've done her two courses, the um, introduction and the professional training course. And she has also guided me very closely. I've been with quite a bit of supervision with her. And she's guided me quite closely with starting up some neurotypical support groups. Mm. But I think you might want to talk about those a bit later. No, we we can talk about that now. Is it for, are they for the um, neurotypical partners who are female, male, or binary, non-binary? Does it matter? It doesn't matter at all. Okay. 
It okay. just so happens that we only have ladies on the course at the moment, <laughs> on, the, on the two courses. One is an evening one in the UK and one is a lunchtime one. They're an hour and a half each. And um, I am sometimes on them, but most of the time now it is a colleague of mine, Chris Hughes, and um, another colleague of mine, Liz Smith, who are running them. Chris is particularly well um, qualified in this. She's also done the AANE courses. And she is, um, well, she's a, she's a teacher and she's just retired as a pastor. Um, and she's had a huge amount of exposure to neurodiversity through her church and through the work she's done with families in the church. Um, and the other lady is Liz Smith, who is married to a neurodiverse person mm-hmm. and who has dealt with her life very consciously. Mm. Her husband isn't interested in doing any, he's been, they've been to me for some um, intensive work, but he's not into all of that. He, and he hasn't changed one bit in all the work that we've done. But Liz is very committed Christian and really wants to keep this marriage going. They've got three adult kids and they, she really values having a home for the kids and the grandkids to come to. So she has looked very closely at neurodiversity and what are her responsibilities and what are things she can do things about and things that she can't. And she's a she's a fabulous asset on the um, support groups because everyone can identify with her because she, she speaks the same language as them. Right. They all understand each other, which is, it's, it's amazing. So uh, those are the support groups. That's wonderful. And they're online or in person? Online. Okay, wonderful. We, so we do get together and we have um, gatherings twice a year. Um, and uh, people normally are local, the people who actually manage to come. But in that, then I sometimes give a little bit of um, self growth information and, and teaching for the neurotypical partners just to feed them give them something interesting to think about to, so that they can show up as their best selves mm, I love that I love that and I think when we met I, I shared with you that I run two support groups yes. most of the people that attend are from the United States but I definitely have people from outside the U.S. So it's wonderful to know others that are providing mm. support groups. Yeah. And um, yeah. I'll provide that information in the show notes mm. for the episode so folks can know how mm. to contact you. Thank you so Thanks. much for sharing that. And just one point on that, Mona, and I'm sure you've noticed it as well. It has been incredible, the change in these women over, mm-hmm. I would say, a year. For the first six months, um, there was a bit of change and, um, yeah, but the levels of depression have dropped. The um, ability to communicate and not to be feeling quite so alone has, has changed totally. They are feeling connected. They're feeling they're in a group where people at last can understand what they're saying. Yes. And um, they have made enormous personal strides. I would say each one of them now, tough as their relationships are, in themselves, Mm -hmm. they are incredibly happy. Oh, that's wonderful. And And really, go ahead, Margie. And thriving. 
That's wonderful. And I think that is what is so important to stress in any neurodiverse relationship. You cannot change your partner. You cannot, whether you're the autistic partner or the, or the (laughs) non-autistic neurotypical partner, you can't, right? (laughs) The only thing you can do is work on yourself. And then if your partner chooses to do the same thing, Mm. you know, you see where the relationship moves in the future. Mm. Now, Mm. let me just ask before we move on to the next question that I have for you, do the same people attend every session, every support group? Or is it open? Yes. Okay. um, Okay. We, we, we don't really call it an open group. Um, okay. Although people are invited to come and try it. It doesn't suit everybody. Um, sure. But most of the people who come um, stay. Wonderful. And, yeah. And that's so wonderful. That's, yeah, that's where we that's... are. But um, everyone's allowed, very welcome, more than welcome to come join it, try it, see how it fits with them. And it, it costs twenty pounds, and it's once every fortnight for an hour okay. and a half. Um, and yeah, they work really nicely. The details of this are on my website, Myrna. Wonderful. And you can give your website now, and we'll just remind people at the end. What is your website, okay. Margie? It's just margiewakefield.com. That's M A R G Y Wakefield W A K E F I E L D dot com. Wonderful. Wonderful. So let me ask you a little bit. Thank you so much for all that information. Let me ask you about um, the way in which you work with neurodiverse couples, because I know every time I talk to somebody who either has recently found out their partners on the spectrum or they're dating Mm -hmm. somebody on the spectrum, one of the biggest challenges, as you know, is communication differences. Yeah. Yeah. And So one of the things that we talked about when we were planning to do the podcast is a specific model technique that you use. And I'd love if you could share with our listeners a little bit about the island visit. Yes, with pleasure, Myrna. Um, Now, the island visit is a way of actually communicating and making a setting a communication platform that creates safety for both people Mm. um and it's quite structured but it it really can only be used once the couple have de-escalated once the couple are in a in a non-reactive place Mm -hmm. because it definitely calls on their executive brains to um operate and um, so, yeah, so it's, it's like the second step, you know, if couples come in and, and they're very aroused, we need to really quieten them down. And only then can we start teaching the island visit and, and implementing it. Yeah. And I give a little bit of a talk just to start with, to explain this to them and talk about the importance of um, having a place where you can go that is where where it's safe to discuss some of the more difficult topics Mm. Um, and we all have difficult topics in our relationships and you know we just avoid them if 
we don't know how to deal with them. Right. You definitely don't want to deal with them when you're aroused and angry with each other. And when times right. are good, the last thing you want to do is to go <laughs> back into something that's a bit tricky. So right. um, the island visit is something that actually has, well, in my marriage, it's been a vital, vital um, skill. Um, and let me tell you a little bit about it. Awesome. So I ask both people in the room or on, on Zoom, to think of themselves as an island, totally mm. separate, a totally okay. separate island surrounded by sea. Um, on each island, we speak our own language. Mm. So on my island, I speak Margie-ish. <laughs> on my husband's island, he speaks Peter-ish, Peter-ish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what? we often can't understand each other if we're not doing an island visit mm. because it's, it's it's amazing how people phrase things differently people think differently and we need to not see it through our own lens mm. so that's the important thing of the island visit it's it's the, it's the most amazing tool um so number one just to know that each island is totally separate and is totally um has its all its own neighborhoods. So there are lots of different neighborhoods. Neighborhoods that we know we're very familiar with around family and work and uh, all of that. Some neighborhoods that we're very happy in, some neighborhoods we're not happy in. We've got some um, lovely neighborhoods and, and, and everyday neighborhoods, and we've got some dark neighborhoods, some tough neighborhoods. Some mm-hmm. neighborhoods we don't even know we've got. But on our island, there's a lot of stuff going on, on on each island. And the important thing when you're doing an island visit is to visit one neighborhood. Mm. Now, do you know the the reason for this is, I'm sure you've had it, it's all going to be familiar to everybody, is that (laughs) sometimes you start arguing about... The underwear hanging in the shower, right. um, the and dripping wet, and um, <laughs> then suddenly the argument switches, and you don't close the cupboards in the kitchen, and mm-hmm. you and and you always leave your shoes right at the front door where I trip over them. Or you know how these things just slip around, right? And then you never quite know how to resolve anything because you don't know what you're arguing about. Um, And that's why we say you choose one neighborhood. You take, please close the cupboards in the kitchen after you've you've used them. Or please move the shoes to the side or put them in a pot or or whatever. But to choose one neighborhood. And um, then at least you can speak through one thing and clear and both understand one thing. It does require quite a few visits, island visits, right. to get through, you know, all the stuff that accumulates in relationships. Now, between the islands is a space. Mm-hmm. That space is where we both interact from in the world. Mm. That space is where we live. Mm. And that space often gets polluted by 
defensiveness mm. arguments, um, stuff from outside, you know, cost of living increases and all sorts. It gets polluted by stress and by each of our own behaviors. And mm-hmm. our duty is to not is to is to try and unpollute that area, depollute it, because we don't want to be living in a polluted space. That's no. it's that's that's not where we thrive. That doesn't take us to the upward trend. It's got a downward pull. Yeah. So um, now another interesting thing about the space is Martin Buber, the philosopher from old days, mm-hmm. called the space between people in an intimate relationship sacred. Mm, I love that. So to. Th- think that the space between me and my husband is sacred it suddenly puts a responsibility on me and on him to make sure it doesn't get polluted to make sure it's as vibrant and there's a lot of fresh air and interest and kindness and gentleness and softness in that space Mm -hmm. do you know Mona what makes it even more sacred for me what is that that's the space where our children grow up. Mm, I love that. Margaret, that's I love our that. children's garden. That's mm. where they grow. And so actually, we've just got to be pretty darn sensible and make sure that the space between us is thriving and is alive. And if there's pollution, to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now those are just the kind of um, theoretical So those are the two islands, both of which speak their own languages, they have neighborhoods, and then there's a space between that we are both responsible for keeping vibrant and loving and alive. And and Margie, what what I think is so wonderful is that if we're both conscious of our own perspectives, our own islands, and really understand that it's okay to have two different islands exactly it's normal (laughs) yeah i was just gonna say it's normal and it's healthy Mm. because i think if we're if our islands are enmeshed (laughs) that's you know our our social work if they're bumping into each other right right it can cause chaos and um you know you may have a lot of conflict Mm. and so i think for both neurodiverse partners to understand Mm. the importance of having your own island and respecting each other's Mm. islands exactly is critical right yeah i love that Mona. thank you Mm. i I love this this model this analogy Mm. i love it and i love that Mm. the space between is sacred because for me that's about emotional physical spiritual and mental health And right. And so if we keep the priority Mm. on having the space between Mm. sacred and healthy, at the same time, we understand and respect each other's islands. Oh, my gosh. Game changer upon game changer, (laughs) right? (laughs) It is. And you know what? It also keeps us behaving better. Yeah. <laughs> yes, individually and in yes. our relationships. Yes, exactly. right. Okay. Exactly. So, so, 
So I so love we don't, that. We don't just react and let things scream and shout and all the rest of it. Right. We actually have to be a bit more careful. It comes into this consciousness you were saying. Yes. Yeah. And I am, I am very, very honest ab- about myself and my yeah. marriage and my yeah. other relationships with neurodiverse men. Mm-hmm. You know, when you don't know that you and your partner are neurodiverse or in a neurodiverse relationship, yeah. mm-hmm. that the always, you always do this, you always do that, <laughs> you never <laughs> do that, you never <laughs> do this, I, you know, I want, I want you to do this and you never do it. Yeah. That can get that can be the norm in your relationship because you are literally operating on two different islands and you don't necessarily know the path to get to each other's you islands. Don't know how to. Yeah. Right. So yeah. let's talk so, a little bit about that. Can if I you just underline yeah. what you yeah. said, Myrna? Yes, please. I think in relationship, we have to ban the two words always and mm. never. I agree. I agree. And I use them, them probably. Them away. Yeah, I probably use them once a week for 32 years, you know? Yeah, <laughs> so, yes. Yes, I agree. Exactly. Yes. I agree. Yes. Okay. We're, we're going to ban them officially today, Marky. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> so, so I know yes. anybody who's listening to this episode is like having light bulbs go off. And mm-hmm. I think this is going to be so helpful again mm. for both the autistic and the non-autistic or neurotypical mm. partner. Okay. Now the next step is yeah. what are some of yeah. the clear, concise tools mm. or techniques yeah. that you found helpful for yes. those couples who then understand there mm. are, there are two islands and there's a sacred space mm. in between. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the first one is that we can consciously build a bridge from one island to the next. Mm, I love that. And on that bridge, when the host island, who has the problem with the cupboard doors or whatever it is, when the host island invites the um, visitor island over, to discuss what they want, what he or she wants to discuss, um, they make a formal request. Would you come to my island so that I can speak to you about this problem I have with the cupboard doors in the kitchen always being oh, oh, always <laughs> taken out, being open. <laughs> yeah, been there, done that. Have the T-shirt. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that bridge is an important kind of picture in our mind's eye Mm -hmm. and then I coach the visitor to breathe a few times and to consciously walk across the island walking away from their island walking towards the host's island Mm -hmm. and becoming more and more present as they come what we want is our full presence to our partner. Love it. It's the biggest gift we can give each other. Mm-hmm. And um, so as I, so, it's a quite a slow process. Just in your mind's eye, take a few breaths and start consciously moving, walking across this bridge step by step. And when you get onto, the, onto your host's island, you say, I'm here. You actually acknowledge that you are ready to hear. 
you're here with new ears and new eyes. You know, often we hear things we've heard so often before, but you'll see when you do it, the essence of what happens between the couple changes. Mm. It's fascinating. So the visitor step by step across and arrives, and then the host has a, a certain responsibilities. As the host, you want to keep your visitor there. So you've got to look after your visitor. <laughs> serve, you them some, serve them some tea, right, Margie? <laughs> Beautiful. And, and warm, warm, smiley eyes and just a welcoming face. So your visitor wants to be with you. Because, you know, the visitor has got no obligation to stay. They can zip back to their own island at any time. Right. So it's really important for the host to be warm and welcoming and to speak about themselves. Mm. We call them I messages. Mm -hmm. So no blaming, shaming, naming or anything. You talk about, I am getting so fed up with bumping my head on the cupboard doors in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what to do because I've asked you a lot of times not to leave them open rather than saying, I'm so sick of telling you to close the cupboard doors. Um, you don't pay me any respect. You don't respect me and don't listen to me. Can you see that sort of naming and shaming? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But if you talk about yourself, I'm really battling because I'm, I'm bumping my head and I know it's silly of me, but I do. I'm busy doing something, and the next thing I've bumped my head again. Um, so iMessages are really important. Mm -hmm. Not only that, we need to speak in very short sentences. Mm -hmm. There's two reasons for this. Number one, our brains only process a few words at a time. And if there's two or three concepts coming through at the same time, our brain can't process them all. We'll right. stick on one one of the things. And then, of course, it'll lose, the message will lose its meaning. Right. So if there are three concepts around the cupboard doors, they need to be spoken in each one in a short sentence. Mm -hmm. And the other reason for having a short sentence is that the visitor, just to show the host that they are there and they are listening, they just repeat back. Mm -hmm. Now, it's not a big deal. You don't have to panic about remembering. You're, you're not, you can always say, oh, I've just forgotten part of what you said. But you'll find that if the sentences are short and concise, the visitor will hear them and will mirror them back exactly. And now to repeat them back, you know, it's work if you're going to try and interpret and all that. Just use the same words and just mirror it back. Mm -hmm. Now, why that's also important is sometimes the host has said something that hasn't come out right. Mm -hmm. He or she knows what they want to say, but it doesn't sound right. So when they hear it back, they can say, um, oh, actually, I did say that. But what I mean, actually, is this. I, I love that. And oh, yeah. and the mirroring piece, I know, and I want to say this to our audience, I know it can be extremely tedious when you're beginning <laughs> it, right? Initially it is. <laughs> yeah. Right? But once it becomes pretty much a habit, 
it it doesn't even it it doesn't even enter your mind that you're mirroring you're just respectfully communicating Mm. and making Mm. sure that you heard the request the way Mm. it was meant to be delivered Mm. right Mm. Mm. yeah exactly exactly Myrna yeah and it makes such a difference because then the host knows that they've been heard and listened to Mm -hmm. and the visitor is picking up other nuances in I'm so sick of you not closing the kitchen cupboards um whenever I'm working on the counter I'm bumping my head they they they, they've heard that hundreds of times right they're hearing now actually this is quite a problem Mm mm-hmm that they haven't kind of given it any real credence for. So that's why it's really important to mirror back. I I so agree. And this is something, and I'm sure you've heard it from other couples before, and it's Mm. a lesson that I learned, you know, in my marriage. And then after I Mm. handled it very differently. Um, I think sometimes when we've heard those complaints over and over again, we tune them out, number one. We do. And we feel like our partners are, and I'm going to say always, um, <laughs> but our critic, our, I'll say are yep. critical of us way too often. Yeah. And so sometimes what happens is any statement that our partners are making to us that mm-hmm. require us to think about our own behavior or yeah. our own actions put us on the defensive, right? Exactly. And in I know, and and most most folks know out there, once we get in that defensive mode, mm-hmm. we're yeah. not hearing much of anything clearly. Mm-hmm. And that is actually one of the four uh, horsemen of the apocalypse that John yeah. Gutman and Julie Schwartz Gutman talk about as being yes. challenges and could lead to a very unhealthy relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. And what happens when we become defensive or reactive mm-hmm. as a visitor? It means that we've gone back to our own islands. Yes. We are not present anymore in our partner's island, which is the whole the whole thing that is providing safety. Yes. Because let me tell you, the cupboard doors are just the top of the the tip of the iceberg. There's more underneath it. That the partner probably feels disrespected. Maybe all his life has felt disrespected and not valued and such like. But we've got to deal with the surface surface stuff first. Right. So to, so to make safety, the visitor needs to be very careful just to repeat back. And as you say, it does become easier. I promise you. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. It absolutely does. And I think there are a few things that you're saying that I think are critical to us maybe unpacking a little bit. I think mm. the safety piece is really critical. And yeah. and we're not necessarily talking about physical safety. We're talking mm. about emotional safety. Exactly. And I know repeatedly in my marriage, I did not provide emotional safety mm. for my husband and my ex-husband. And I know that now because yeah. I was comfortable screaming and talking about multiple things. And yeah. because that's the family I grew up in, yeah. we could, you know, go on and on and then we'd hug and make up. But, mm. but for my marriage, yeah. that was not the right tool to use to communicate what I needed and wanted and was feeling. And 
So I think it's really important to mm-hmm. talk a little bit about how in neurodiverse relationships, we can both create safety for yeah. each other when yeah. we're visiting each other's islands. Do you want to address that a little bit? Yes, certainly. It's a very, very important thing. So it takes courage to invite someone onto your island. So you've got to actually step up and decide what you're going to say and how you're going to say it in a warm, careful way and speak about yourself. That already is providing a bit of safety. Mm -hmm. Another part of the safety is that the visitor is not going to ask questions. The visitor is allowed to ask two things. You can say, as the visitor, is there more? I love that. Just to get your partner to open up a little bit more in case there is more. But And you can also say, if you don't quite understand what you're hearing, you can say, just help me understand. Mm-hmm. And, which is just virtually saying, can you repeat that in a different way? Mm-hmm. I love that. <clears throat> now, the importance of not asking questions is that you know, in all relationships, there's one person who's very curious and 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 um, wants to get in and find out and all the rest, and can lead a person into very uncomfortable situations. Right. If you if there's no questions asked, the host knows that they are temporarily in charge of giving the information that feels comfortable for them at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, what happens with these island visits is bit by bit as you do them, you begin to become more honest and begin to get in touch with the deeper things that are really worrying you. Mm-hmm. Which, because of the relationships we've been in, virtually all relationships, let me say, we tend to, as we sort of get into the relationship and uh, are living every day, um, yeah, we tend to not be thinking too much about our partners. We're thinking more about ourselves and what's going on. And I've just lost my train of thought here. I beg your pardon, Mona. That's okay because <laughs> but, I'll take I'll take it up yes, and, yeah. and we'll we'll move forward on this because Excellent. I think this is really, really important, Margie. Mm. So mm. so in my family of origin, right? Yeah. Screaming was okay. Mm-hmm. and conflict in front of my sister and I between my parents was okay. It was yeah. the norm. Yeah. And then watching my parents make up, kiss and make up and dance around the kitchen was also the norm. Yeah. So we were really, my sister and I were really comfortable with that because mm. we saw it from beginning to end. Yes. And it didn't, we never felt, well, I I can only speak for myself. I never felt Mm. unsafe Mm. in my home with my parents. And because of that, I never felt unsafe emotionally in my marriage. Never. Um, And, but I know that wasn't the case for my Mm. partner or Mm. for my ex-husband. And so Mm. I think that understanding our own emotional Mm, I'm, I'm not going to even say states, our own yeah. emotional balance state. Yeah. That's what I'm going to say. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, David Martin. Yeah. Uh oh. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> your, 
that so so that place where we know we feel safe now for some folks and and i'm going to go off on a a little bit of a different path because i think this Mm -hmm. is important um i think for some folks who are in neurodiverse relationships it may mean that they need time alone after after they visit their partner's island and they're told you know um i keep hitting my head on the cabinets and i really want to work with you so that they can be closed so that doesn't happen anymore there may not be an immediate response Mm. and in fact i'm guessing there may not be an immediate response um that is comfortable even though they're mirroring yeah um or they may need some time to process it Mm, exactly and right and i think we we have to respect and again I'm guilty of not doing this in my marriage I think we have Mm -hmm. to respect each partner's Mm. way of processing exactly okay so so do you want to do you want to take that path Mm. (laughs) do you know for me this is around energy Mona some people like it sounds like you have um had big energy Absolutely. And your energy came outwards. Yes. Into noise and shouting and then making up and dancing in the kitchen and such like. Right. Um, some people process more inwardly. Their energy goes inward. Mm-hmm. And they then often, you, they're the people, as you say, who often need a lot more time to process. Mm-hmm. Very often their processing is a lot slower. Mm-hmm. But what's so amazing is if you allow them to do the processing they need to do, they're just about always right. <laughs> I so agree. I so agree. So for us, because I'm a bit like you, I'm a real maximizer. Um, I get very irritated. Come on now, let's sort this out or whatever. <laughs> and um, nothing works for Pete. He needs quiet time, time on his own to actually think about things and do you know what's happened in our relationship is when we do these island visits we just about always finish up and we finish up with an appreciation of the visit always um we then just leave it and i find in myself i begin to more process internally which i'm very pleased about Mm -hmm. and i can feel that something's changed. Mm-hmm. Something's changed. Um, especially if we have a very deep connection when we cross the bridge. It, we call it like an encounter. Mm-hmm. And I had a rabbi, I was working with a rabbi and his wife a little while ago. And he said, I have never done anything quite as sacred as this. Mm. Oh my gosh, Margie, that's beautiful. Do you know, being able to just connect with each other in a safe way. Mm -hmm. Oh my word. It was, it was amazing. I can only imagine. Well, I I have experienced it. So I I do know what you're talking about, but it Mm -hmm. does take 
it does take a level of trust yeah. that I think a yeah. lot of neurodiverse couples who've been in a relationship with somebody that was undiagnosed or not mm. identified, right, yeah. mm. as neurodivergent, mm. um, it takes a level of trust. Because I will tell you, my marriage ended because I lost trust in my oh. ex-husband's yes. word. Yes. And I now understand that he would get really anxious when I had expectations of him Mm. that he wanted to meet, but he knew he couldn't meet. Yeah, exactly. So, right. So I think it's Mm. really important Mm. for both partners to be upfront and honest about what they can do. So going Mm. back, I mean, we're talking about what would be a simple issue for you and I, maybe the cupboards, you know, closing the cupboards. But if closing the cupboards requires some extra special effort on the part of our partners, how do we understand the reason behind them not feeling comfortable closing the cupboards? How do we respect Mm -hmm. their need Mm -hmm. to keep the cupboards up? And Mm -hmm. we can you know, come up with any topic that isn't exactly you know, kitchen related. Mm. But mm. well, what is the underlying need, the underlying um, goal for safety or calm that mm. we're not communicating mm. or our partner's mm. not communicating that mm. when we understand mm. can be a game changer? Mm. Do you know what I find with these island visits is that Um, when you've visited a person who's spoken honestly to you Mm -hmm. about the fact that he doesn't feel respected Mm. because it's, it's something he has asked for and I haven't been able to give it or the, 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 the um, visitor hasn't been able to give it or hasn't given it enough priority in their thinking actually. Mm -hmm. Um, do you know what happens when you really hear it, when you're unprotected with um, reactivity or defensiveness, when you're really hearing, it's a different experience. Mm-hmm. And it changes the essence of how you live your life, how you, how you regard this particular topic. And when you do a few different thing, topics, you begin to actually find that you you're living in a more conscious and respectful way. Mm, I so agree with you. And I think what you said, the rabbi said, I think, I think we often live in a very stressful world and we want to come home and feel safe. And, um, and that really is around for for me mm-hmm. um, emotional safety. I've never had exactly. an issue about physical safety, but I'm sure there's couples mm-hmm. that feel that way. And when our nervous systems mm-hmm. are dysregulated yeah. because we're not feeling heard, we're not mm-hmm. feeling valued, we're mm-hmm. not feeling respected, and yep. we don't have the tools yeah. to get there to mm-hmm. get on the bridge and go to mm-hmm. our partner's island and have a respectful conversation that involves mirroring and feeling yeah. understood and feeling valued and feeling heard mm-hmm. and then giving each other time for processing. Yeah. It can create such havoc and conflict. 
It it really does. And, you know, especially with neurodiverse couples, mm-hmm. the neurodiverse person is trying to fit into a neurotypical world. Mm-hmm. They're trying to be as neurotypical as they can. And it is hard work. Mm-hmm. And when they come home, they are often exhausted. Yep. Now, we're all exhausted when we get back from work and such like. But this is on exhaustion on another level. Right. And so just to know that, and then if there's an issue that needs to be discussed, give a bit of time and then say, can I invite you over for an island visit to talk about um, granny's birthday party coming up or something Mm -hmm. like that? But a bit of warning, a bit of a warning in advance. When can we do it? Mm -hmm. Um, And in fact, that's an important thing to make a date. If, If there's a disconnect and a flare up or whatever, to make a date and a time for when you can actually just visit that and talk about it. I think that is so, so important. Again, hands raised, you know, yeah. my, my yep. ex would come through the door and I would pound him <laughs> with all the things that had gone wrong in my day or things yep. we needed to address or whatever. Mm. And it's overwhelming for any person yeah. Um, but it's, you know, a hundred times worse for somebody who's neurodivergent. Yes. And, uh, you know, I'm going to bring the spoon theory idea in here yeah. because so many of us don't, who are not autistic or not neurodivergent, yeah. you know, may not understand the spoon theory concept. And, mm-hmm. you know, each neurodivergent partner starts their day with X number of spoons. Yes. And, right. And, and just sometimes getting out the door. And getting mm-hmm. in, getting dressed, having a meal, you know, getting lunch ready, and then getting yep. out the door and fighting traffic, and then yep. walking through the door of their workplace, they may have used eighty percent of their spoons. Yep. So when when you know your neurodivergent partner walks through the door, not only have they used all their spoons, oftentimes, mm-hmm. but they're on overload. They you know, yep. they're, <laughs> and so when we understand that, yeah we can have grace, we can have compassion, yeah. hopefully exactly. we can have patience, right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. so I know mm. this has been, this has been a phenomenal, phenomenal discussion and mm. a great technique that I know is going to be helpful to so many <laughs> of our couples. Mm. Yes. I know some of what we've talked about is from the work of um, the Imago therapy. Imago, yes. 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 So I want to give that um, a shout out. Exactly. And, <laughs> and I'm wondering, um, Margie, if there's other things that have worked for you with the neurodiverse couples that you've worked with that you would like to share maybe one or two other techniques or strategies before mm-hmm. we close out the podcast episode. Yes, let me just give you one. Okay. <clears throat> and that requires island visiting. Okay. Um, it is asking couples to give each other one appreciation every day. Mm, I love that. <coughs> Excuse me, I've got a frog in my throat. That's okay. Um, do you know what it does through the through time is it gets people to start looking for what's working. Mm-hmm. And for what they can say today, because I've got to think of a, an appreciation and a right. time. So, but they start looking 
at what's working Mm -hmm. rather than what's not working. Mm -hmm. And it's an amazing thing. So just one little appreciation, and you do it by saying, the host says, would you come across to my island? I'd like to give you an appreciation. The visitor often says, yep, and they want to skip across because they're very happy to go and hear something positive. And they get, and the host says, what I've appreciated about you today is ABC. And the visitor mirrors it back. And then the visitor goes back to their island and invites the host, the the new visitor over to the host's island and says, um, what I've appreciated about you today. Do you know, they're just tiny steps, but they're all heading in the direction of the upward trend, mm-hmm. which is where we need to be living. Yes, every day. Yeah, it really is. And it's where we feel much better. It's where the space between us has got fresh air and water and it's lovely. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I, I that is that is wonderful. And it's something uh, I do neurodiverse couples support groups. And the mm. first session, one of the things that I ask the couples to do is just that is every yeah. day yeah. for the next seven days, mm-hmm. find one thing that you yeah. appreciate and value about your partner and tell them yes, and or show them. Yeah. So you know, yeah. I know sometimes it's hard to find the right words. <laughs> Often it's hard to find anything you appreciate initially. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things my ex used to do, which I loved, and this might be something that some of the neurodivergent partners might be interested in doing, mm-hmm. is he would find cards and he found the most oh. amazing greeting cards. Oh. Um, and he would give me those. And, and sometimes that's the best way to show how you value and appreciate your partner. And believe me, they will appreciate that because, um, if you can't find the words, Hallmark can do it for you. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And it just shows what's going on inside you, but you can't access it. So it's, it's, it's beautiful that. Yeah, I agree. Mm. And now, you know, with social media, it's so much easier because, you know, I'm almost 60. I know, you know, you're around my age, probably. Um, You're not 21. You're not 21. (laughs) And so now there's memes, there's inspirational quotes, there's, you know, things you can share on Instagram or Facebook, literally in the moment with your partner. So there are lots of ways that you can show appreciation, even if you cannot find the words to come out of your mouth and your partner will appreciate it immensely. So Margie, this has been amazing. I know it's going to be beyond helpful to so many couples out there. So if folks want to reach out to you and are interested, if they're in the UK, um, you're licensed in the UK, so they can come to you for therapy, correct? Yeah. Yes. And um, if they're interested, do you do coaching also? I always ask. Yes. It's it's more coaching with neurodiverse couples. Okay. Um, and yeah, yeah. Um, Mona, just before we go there, can I just come in with one quick thing? Oh, absolutely. Um, um, after the host has spoken and the visitor has mirrored back, mm-hmm. what I ask the visitor to do is to summarize what's been said mm. in their own words. Mm-hmm. And the host listens and the host says, yes, that's a good summary. Or um, the little piece you missed is ABC. Um, and it's 
it's a, it's a very good way to make sure that the host knows he's been or she's been heard and the visitor knows that they've heard. I love it. And then if it's possible, I get the couple to, to the visitor to validate the host. Mm. Um, and the validating, you virtually say, I understand what you say and it makes sense to me because, and then you just say one little sentence like, I am so untidy. I leave cupboards open everywhere in the house and I'm not proud of it. Mm. Can you see how it just would make it? It makes the host feel so understood. Yes. Yes. So there's that two little pieces to add on. So you the visitor mirrors, mirrors, and then summarizes and then validates. And the words of, I understand what you say and or what you say makes sense to me because just one little sentence. Mm-hmm. And Margie, that, that again, I know that that's part of Imago and it's it is. so it helpful. Is. It, but it's, it's so fabulous. helpful to say it the way you just said it. Mm-hmm. And I think this may be a challenge for some um, of the neurodivergent folks who Definitely. are right, who are experiencing mind blindness. Yes. But I also think it's difficult for the non-autistic neurotypical partner who feels that, you know, they're more emotionally aware or yeah. they're more emotionally intelligent yeah. or whatever. Mm. Yeah. This is not about one upping your partner. No. Not this, in the slightest. No, it's about, it's about wanting a healthier, more emotionally stable relationship. And and bringing your best self and your most kind yeah. and compassionate yeah. self to each other's islands, right? Yeah. And it's owning the stuff that we that that the visitor does. Yes. Often thoughtlessly. Yes. It's just owning. It's just yes. owning, it. and, it's, and it's okay. I mean, it's <laughs> we're all right. human. Right. Yeah. I, Exactly. And I I say this over and over again in the podcast. And when I post on Instagram, Mm. we cause each other so much unintentional hurt, pain Mm. and trauma in neurodiverse relationships, Mm. because we don't understand that our perspective isn't the only perspective. Exactly. You've put your finger on it, Mona. You're doing a good job here. Okay, yeah. so Mona, yes, my um, website I've given to you, it's margiewakefield.com. Okay. And my email address, if people want to be in touch about potential therapy or, or a bit of guidance about where to go, um, is margie, M-A-R-G-Y, wakefield, W-A-K-E-F-I-E-L-D, at gmail.com. Wonderful. Margie, it has been an absolute pleasure. And it is so wonderful to talk to folks who are doing amazing work in the neurodiversity world. And I just hope that lots of folks are able to practice these island visits Mm. and that it is something that is beneficial for them as they move forward in their relationship. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Mona. And well done for your lovely work you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Take care. Bye-bye.